Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Book Journeys Radio. I am super excited today to because I get to say, I've always wanted to say the name of this book in public, um, but we are talking to the author of Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, Avoid the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search. And um, this is uh, Julie, uh, Julie, I don't even know how to say your last name. Do you say Bach or Bakke? Bakke. Bauke, that's right. I should have known that. This is Julie Bauke is the author of this book, and she is a career strategist, no surprise. And she's really focused on educating and motivating people to really take charge of their careers and stop sabotaging themselves and really have the career they were meant to have. And I am super excited to talk to you, Julie, every week on Book Journeys Radio. We um, we talk to authors about the experience writing their first book. Um, and so I want to talk to you about what writing this book and publishing this book was like for you. But before I do, um, why don't you just take a minute to introduce yourself and introduce the actual topic of the book and um, tell us a little bit uh, just about it in general. Well, it's a uh, very quick, fun read on the topic of job search, which generally is nothing even close to being fun or humorous to talk about. And that's that was I did that on purpose. And it really came out of my frustration with people saying to me, well, I can't find a job, or I've been looking for two years and I can't find a job, or my son is graduating, do you have any tips for him? And so I just sat down and started writing and said, okay, I've worked with 2,000 plus people over the years you know, in trying to find the job or career that they really want. And what I found was that whether you're a CEO or a professional athlete or just a regular guy or gal, people make the same mistakes. And so it was sort of like a, I'm going to write this and I'm just going to hand this to you and have Junior read it. And if he can just not do these seven things, he'll be a lot further along than the general public. And so it was almost like my, my manifesto of, if you, of everything I've learned in 108 pages with pictures and stories and of the good, the bad, and the ugly, just to give people kind of a big head start in their job search. And so that's really where the whole where the whole concept was born out of. How did you end up working with uh, people that were looking for jobs? They aren't known for having money, so um, yeah. it's an interesting well, little career niche. <laughs> that's well, yeah. And and actually, right now, I worked for I worked for nine years for um, the Global Leader in Career Management Services, a big firm called Lee Heck Harrison. And so companies would pay us to work with their people. And I left there about five years ago to start my own company because what I realized was people who've lost their jobs generally have ignored a lot of warning signs along the way. Either the company was sending warning signs or they had internal warning signs that it was time to make a change. And they ignored them and ignored them and ignored them, stuffed them down, pretended they weren't there, and then, big surprise, they're on the top of the layoff list. And so I decided, too, that I wanted to work outside of those spaces. And so we generally work now with people who are um, probably employed, but they're, they're looking to become happier, either where they are or someplace else. Yeah, I mean, I've been on both sides of the uh, hatchet, and... 
what I will say is I honestly have felt as when I've been making the decision to let somebody go, I've often felt like it would be better for them that mm-hmm. they just either the company had changed or they were different than we thought they'd be and they weren't super happy and we weren't super happy. It just really wasn't a fit. And very rarely, I can't think of any examples where I've laid someone off or fired them because they, I don't know, embezzled $200,000 or something. Right. It's usually just what we need isn't what you have, not you're a bad human being. But when I've been on the other side of it, and I could think of one time in particular when I was laid off and um, or fired, I think I might have been fired, um, where all of those things that I knew as the person doing the firing <laughs> um, were not available in my head, and it just sounded like you're a terrible person, you're not good enough, and you'll never be successful. That's right. Even though That's I should have right. known better, you know. But yeah. Yep, I think yep. it's really well, easy to lose sight of that. It's emotion. You know, it's, it's emotional. And I've worked with people who the company closed, and they literally laid everybody off. And they th- these people who, you know, should have felt like, hey, it's me and my 99 best friends here being laid off, still feel like there's more I, sh- there's more I should have done, there's more I could have done. And so I, I think it's just like a, a base human emotion and uh, the, the difference you know, to separate the men from the boys and the ladies from the women from the girls is, you know, how do you deal with that moving forward? You know, and that's that's where people really fall off the rails, frankly. Right. And so people keep asking, and I will tell you, I hear this over and over again with the clients I coach about their books, is everybody keeps saying you should write a book. Or, you know, yeah. everybody keeps asking the same question, so you want to write it down. And so it sounds like you were in that situation and you made the decision to go ahead and and write a book. And then I'm going to guess if you're like many authors, things were a little different after you finished it than when you started it. So what is it that you wish you knew before you decided to write a book? Well, the reason I the reason I did it, I was in a mastermind group and the leader was and I was paying, you know, a few hundred bucks a month to be in this mastermind group and the um, the guy running it kept saying, well, you need a book, you need a book. And finally, one day, they looked at me and said, write a book, have it next month. And I was like, oh, my heavens. You know, and um, I, I, and what it did was it gave me the kick in the seat of the pants and to actually write it. And so I really, I just sat down and started writing. And it was really difficult and really frustrating, but I almost had to have that, that um, kick in the seat of the pants to do it. But in retrospect, I wish I had been a little more planful about it. In other words, you know, gone out and researched what my options were and, you know, just, just, but I, I truly jumped into it head first and mm. just started typing away. And boy, you know, I, I think that's probably why people write more than one because you look back and you say, okay, if I ever do this again, you know, here's the ten things I'm going to do, and here's the ten things I'm, you know, I'm not going to do. But you know, I look back at, and I probably wasted some money and some time along the way. But I, I look at that as tuition, and yep. I, you know, I try to give people advice that I talk to, and say, you know, don't, you know, don't make these same mistakes. Um, but no, it was nothing heinous. I mean, nothing that, you know, I can't believe I did that. It was more like, wow, you know, I'll know better next time. But for me, just sitting down and getting it done and reading it over and over and over again and, you know, going through that whole process was that it, it, I, I have a hard time sitting still, so it was kind of painful. Um, uh-huh. and I, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were times how when... Long, how I, long did it take you to write? It took me probably um, 
just a couple months. Um, only, be, I mean, you know, it's not a long book, but here's how I approached it. I said, okay, pretend that my ideal client walked in the room and said, or, or somebody that I really cared and really wanted to help and said, how do I find a job? And so this book was my answer. And I, I wrote it like I speak, which is kind of upbeat and fun and high energy and stories and pictures and humor. And and um, so I made it just like you'd be having a conversation with me. And I'm saying, you know, do this, don't do this. That's what my stories are called. Mm-hmm. Do, be this guy, not this guy. Don't be this and guy. Said, <laughs> don't be this yeah, guy. Be, it's, yeah, it's be this guy. Don't be in the How did you come up with that, that structure? Side. That sounds like that structure really flowed for you, and I don't know if you experienced writer's block at all, but it sounds like it was relatively easy for you to write about. I've certainly interviewed people who have spent years writing their books. Yeah, um, and yeah. How did you stumble upon that structure? I feel like I've, I've always I've always found in my in my in our in my my coaching practice. And when I speak, I'm a professional speaker also, when I do that, I've always found that people really respond to stories. And in job search, we feel really stupid. Uh, and it's, it's because we've never been taught how to look for a job, how to manage our careers. It would be like sitting, you know, you or me down in front of a, a bunch of spreadsheets and saying, close, close the books this month. We don't know how to do that. Yeah, so so to say to somebody, now go find your dream job, it's it's really just as confusing. So I find that people learn through stories. And so I have these great client stories from all from throughout the years that I thought people could really learn from. And clients who did it right, did it wrong, did it wrong and then fixed it. And so I um I really peppered the book with client stories where it was like, here's an example in other words, seven mistakes. So here's an example of someone making this mistake, and here's an example of someone not making this mistake. And it really, because my first half of my career was in human resources, I have been on both sides of the desk as well. And so I like to use that wisdom and say, okay, when you do this, here is why. Like when you're in a phone interview, you know, if you remember, it's an interview. And, you know, if, if you're spending the entire time on the phone interview asking about, the benefits and trying to figure out what the company can do for you, you're not going to get that next interview. And here's why. Here's how that looks from the company's perspective. And so I, I try to really do a lot of, um, you know, kind of, oh, I did, I be this guy, not this guy. Every, every chapter starts with be this guy, not this guy. And then I've got true story, really, like ex- exclamation marks all the way through so that people can see that, you know, that these, these that people make these mistakes, you're not the only one making these mistakes. And that gives people, when I get feedback, that gives people permission to say, oh, my heavens, I recognize myself so many times in that book and kind of sheepish about it. But the best part is they now know what the, what why what they were doing was ineffective and they know what to do instead. And so it, it really was, I wanted it to be something that people could read in, you know, in, a, in an afternoon and just get a completely new perspective on their job search, because there's there's just you know we 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 are our own worst enemies without a doubt. Yeah, that's for sure. In in many areas, not just the job search. So that's it's right. sort of a metaphor. <laughs> that's right. So I love I love talking to you, um, just because there's such a I don't know how to say this, but there's such a joy in your voice when you're talking about your book. Like you seem genuinely 
thrilled to have accomplished this task in your life. So what what has being an author meant to you? You know, it's it's um I'm so 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 grateful to that mastermind group for forcing me to do it. In fact, when I took copies of my book to the next meeting, you know, I I, I signed them all with this is all your fault. You know, cuz you know, it's sort of like you made me do this and um I love you for it, but it was pain, you know, it was somewhat painful, but it has opened the door to everything else good that's happened. You know, there's there's when you can say author of, I mean, it could be author of the worst book ever written, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so the author of a book, and yeah, that is because, like you said, Angela, because so many people say, I need to write a book someday. I really want to write a book. Um, I think people look at that and say, I really want to do that, but you actually did it, and mm-hmm. it just it sort of opens the door. Uh, and it's it really has made so when I'm on I'm on uh, local TV here every other week, and then I've done TV in other markets and um, everything I've done. Anything they say author of, it just it just adds credibility to what you're saying to what you're saying. And of course, then you have to back that up with great content and you know all of all kinds of stuff. And also, I think what the title did for me. Because it was so, it's so surprising. It's like and let's nobody say that title again, just to make sure no yeah. one's forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, stop peeing on your shoes, avoiding the seven mistakes that script your job search. And that that's one is of my an attention-getting title, girl. It is. It is. And I will tell you, I've been on a zillion radio stations, and it was one time a radio station in Connecticut where they said we can't say your title on the air. I was like, seriously, you know? Um, but it 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 gets your attention. A, and B, it tells you I'm not like other people out there talking about this topic, that I might Absolutely. actually be fun to listen to and it might actually be a fun book to read. And so I think it's done a, a lot in terms of positioning and branding because you know how, how did get. you come up with that? Is there a story of how you came up with that yeah. title? I used to say that all the time. We would get, <laughs> back when I worked when I worked at Lehigh Harrison, we would get clients and we'd call them and say, hey, you know, you have services with us. Would you like to come in and get started? Oh, no, you know, I've got a recruiter working for me. And I would think to myself or even say to my colleagues, okay, that person clearly needs our help because, first of all, they don't even know that a recruiter doesn't work for you. So they are, and then, so here's what would happen. Three to four weeks later, they'd call back, um, you know, I think I need to come in now. And in that in that period of time where they were trying it on their own, be like trying to close the books on your own for you and I, they were they made they were making so many mistakes. And I used to say to my colleagues, "Well, so and so from the so and so company is coming in. Let's see how much they've already peed on their shoes." And it's it's it was just a saying I had, but it's everything from self sabotage to like you know when you have like a new puppy, how they're running everywhere and they can't quite you know they're like all over the place and they're peeing everywhere but they're not focused. You know, it's just like, you know, they're they're just so excited. And that's what a new job seeker does. They call everybody they know. They start answering a million ads. They're just, their messages aren't succinct, aren't, aren't well-formed and succinct. So they are hurting their job search, and they don't even know it. And so it's just sort of a culmination. people again with the same, with nope. the same level of credibility. Once you made those calls, right. you made them. That's right. But what do we do when we get laid off? We pick up the phone. We start calling everybody we know. That's interesting. Everybody that's not know. what I thought. That's not what I thought the origin of stopping on your on your shoes meant. And so I, it's neat to hear you explain it because mostly it just made me curious. 
mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't have guessed that. So that yeah. is kind of a unique twist on that. I've done that. I've been that person. I made those calls. So yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I did that. Yeah. So, so Angela, so we have you, you know, so I guess yeah, I mean, so. people just go ahead. Can you think of a specific, um, a specific outcome of having a book that was different, maybe a similar scenario that was different before and after you had a book? Like, have you been booked for speaking gigs that you weren't able to get before or radio interviews that you wouldn't have been able to get before? What, yeah. what kind of outcomes um, have you seen? Well, here's a, this is an interesting one. The, um, the um, when I when the book came out, I posted it on LinkedIn on all the LinkedIn groups. Well, I got a call um, probably a month later from a TV station in Chicago, saying um, we you know we want to talk to you. We've got a new morning show starting, and um, they couldn't tell I was in Cincinnati because it was in Link Chicago, and I'm in that group because I still live there. And um, so they said we you know we want somebody who's not going to give the same old blah 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 career advice. Our producer saw the name of your book on LinkedIn and thought you might be, you know, a horse of a different color, so to speak. So um, then they found out I was in Cincinnati, but they couldn't find anybody else they liked with my energy and humor and you know, my direct way of speaking. So I would go to Chicago, and I would do, you know, six to eight segments at a time. Then I'd go back up and do six to eight segments at a time. And you know, here they are in a major market, and they can't find anybody they like. And it was that book title, having the book and having the book title, that made them sit up and take notice. Well, eventually, they, the, I did it for about two and a half years, and eventually the station changed um, leadership. And but what happened was that gig in Chicago got me a regular gig on my, my Fox local station here in Cincinnati. So it was almost like I had to go out of town and be recognized to be back in town on TV. So I don't know what's up with that, but... It was the title of the book and having the book. And every week when I do my segment on the show, they always author of and they show my book every single time. And from a community credibility and a market credibility standpoint, you're just not another talking head. You actually, again, have a book. But that's when I think about what that title got me, how when you put your personality into your title, um, into your book, that people, they know what they're getting and that that's really powerful. It helps you stay in alignment. Mm. Very you know, nice. Here's, interestingly, I talked to a publisher after I, because I self-published, and after the book was out, a publisher called me and said, well, you know, we'd want to we want to talk to you about your book and blah, 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 and I send the book. And she called me back, and um, she said, she said, well, she said, our creative people love your title. Our marketing people don't. She said hmm. they think she said they think that job seekers need more empathy than your title implies. I said then job seekers do not need more empathy. They need real talk, they need a kick in the seat of the pants and they need the truth. And I'm not willing you know, I'm not willing to change it because it's it it it, it messes up the whole essence of the book, which is you know, in a, my style is you know, you can whine about this all day long, but it's nobody's job to find your next job but yours. And so you need the hard truth, you need to do things that work, and you need to be called on it when you're doing things that aren't work. And that's just my style. And I don't, so I, I felt, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I do not regret that for one minute because it's, 
I just think staying and staying consistent. So when someone hires you for a speaking engagement, someone interviews you on the radio, when someone picks up your book, someone watches a video of you, they have to know what they're going to see. And to me, the book title was a part of that because that's the way I talk. Yep. So you mentioned that you self-published. How did you make the decision to self-publish, and how did you do it? Tell us about that experience. Oh, gosh. You know, that was one of those things that I look back and think, you know, I, I, I looked into traditional publishing. The whole world of traditional publishing was really overwhelming to me. Um, and it just made me feel like somebody's going to want to change what I'm doing. You know, here we are in this really bad market. There's probably a million books on careers. And I had this mastermind group kicking me in the seat of the pants to get it done. So all of those things put together, I decided it's what I would do just to maintain my editorial, maintain control. Luckily, and so I wrote all the copy on the back of the book. I wrote everything myself. Luckily, I'm a good writer, so it was easy for me to you know to stay consistent. But all the, in retrospect, you know if if I had the opportunity to take genuinely, so so I did it because I felt like right or wrong, I felt like it was my only option, and. Uh, I really wanted to make it something, like, for instance, uh, my mastermind group said, well, hire a ghostwriter to do it for you. And I was like, no, I'm not right. going to. You know, um, mm. so I, I guess I carried that I want to do it my way sort of thinking to the publishing process that, you know, they're going to make me do it this way. They're not going to like my title. You know, I, I really, plus the time to get it done, and this mastermind group is really pushing me to, you know, to get it done from a self-publishing standpoint, too. Now, if someone came to me and said, look, you know, we like your sensibility, we like your style, um, we want to you know, have you write another book or we want to work with you to write another book or a series or you know, whatever it is, stop peeing on your – I've joked about stop peeing on your flip-flops for college students because they're uh-huh. another huge <laughs> group of offenders, right? You could do – I mean, you could, you could stop peeing on your pumps for women. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different – it's sort of like the crude version of chicken soup for the soul, you know? <laughs> It's real like the sophomoric humor version of right. for the soul, right? So, you know, I would absolutely be open to that, but it's just not something that, you know, that I've pursued. In retrospect, I probably would have gotten more help along the way because I literally tried to figure everything out myself. Uh, but I probably would have, I might self-publish again if that was my only alternative, but I would probably get some expert help along the way. So that's probably my biggest learning from the experience. And when you say expert help, do you mean cover design or editing or writing, or do you wish you had somebody, I don't know, ghostwrite your second chapter or something? Like what What do you, well, what kind you of know, help if you could do it again? That's a, that's a good question. Um, probably, well, definitely editing um, because I write like I speak, and sometimes I don't put punctuation correctly in my speaking as well. So I'd probably have a, a real editor go through it. Um, probably from a cover design standpoint, probably a different font, maybe a different look that's more friendly or that's more attractive. I kind of went with what I thought looked good. Um, maybe even just somebody who is more savvy about these things, so I would have more options all the way through. Because uh, I chose to go, it's available on Amazon and on my website. But when I look at... Did you self-publish with CreateSpace or who did you use? Yes, CreateSpace. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I thought that would be easiest to get it on, you know, to get it on Amazon. 
But now when it comes to like the marketing and distribution and all that, I would love to work with somebody who's more savvy on that stuff. Because personally, I think my book is ideal for college campus bookstores because kids will respond to that. And Lord knows they don't listen to their parents or the placement office. And, you know, so I've kind of dabbled in that path, but I haven't really pursued it. So I'd probably partner with somebody who had more of the strengths that I don't or more of the knowledge and experience, you know, that I don't, um, mm-hmm. you know, in retrospect. Um, but, um, you know, it is what it is, and I look at it as I got it done, and it's open doors and, you know, onward and upward. Um, you, you know, you learn something every step, every you know, at every stop on the staircase, you learn something. So I'm just trying to take what I've learned forward. And so let's talk about um, book sales for a minute. Are they what you expected? Like when you started your book, were you thinking, did you have a sense of how many books you wanted to sell and how does that compare? How was that for you? I was completely naive. Um, I think everybody starts out thinking that they're going to sell lots of books. Um, yeah, so roughly 10,000 yeah, right. copies. Usually when yeah. I ask people about how many books do you think you'll sell, they say, that's 10,000. You know what? That's what because, I thought, too. Oh, that's so funny. I just didn't put a number yeah, out there. Yeah, that's always that was the my number. number. <laughs> that's 10,000? Yeah. And then I yeah. think, like, so there's 50 states. So if I get, like, I don't know, 1,000 people in each state. They start, like, doing that. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, you know, I really looked at, I really have not spent a lot of time on it. In fact, I can't even tell you how many I've sold. I know that's terrible. Um, but I sell them on Amazon, on my website. But I also use them, I'll sell them at speaking engagements. and Or right. I'll give some. You know, I give some away. Uh, you know, I gave some to a prison ministry where they had women getting ready to, you know, to get out of, to get out of prison. You know, how do you, right. how do you go back into the population? So I do look at it as like a business card book in some ways. Um, I also had explored... You know, and you and I have been through some of the same programs. I've actually explored a little bit of the, you know, selling large quantities of your book to somebody who, for the books by the truckload process, you know, where you, yeah. um, and, um, you know, so you I, I just, I've dabbled. Like a career, like a career, um, a career center at a university buy 50 copies to give to students that were coming to a special training program there or something. Yeah, yeah, the the pro yes, yeah, so something like that kind of stuff where you're selling. I even approached Staples about um, putting together a job seekers package of uh, resume paper because people still use resume paper, business cards, um, you know that kind of stuff, and then throwing in a copy of my book. But they just, you know, they liked the idea. They thought I was very creative, but they just said, and then I. I they tried. They just. They just didn't have the bandwidth to take it on. But something because you start thinking about you know who has the, who has the incentive to curry the favor of job seekers. And so you know I've just thought about that kind of stuff. And doing it over again, I would have probably started. I think I did things backwards. I probably would have started with my strategy up front instead of just jumping in. Um, I still think you know I, I have all these fans in Brazil for some reason. They love my book in Brazil. Um, but you know, it's, it's I, I think it's everybody who reads it is like I wish I would have known this 30 years ago. I wish I would have known this before I started my job search. So I know it has the potential to have great legs. It's just um, you know it's so easy to get splintered and distracted and unfocused and all that stuff, all that stuff that we creatives do. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So, um, so I guess in the last couple minutes we have, I always ask people um, to just talk for a minute about what was different than you expected uh, about having a book. What did you think it would be like, and how was that different for you? Because people listening, most of them, most people I work with, have either wanted to write a book for a long time or they're somewhere in the process. And they have an image of what that's going to be like. And you were there once. And um, I'm just wondering, how is it different, both better and worse? You mean now that the book's been written or while I was writing the book? Now that, yeah, now that it's been written and done, how is it better and or worse than you thought it would be? You know, I think everything, you know, the reason, there's a reason the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's probably, as they say, like having babies. If you know, if, if you remembered what the first one childbirth was like, you wouldn't have another one. And so, I think you retrospectively, it's much easier. I look, I look at it with a much softer lens. Um, if you, I think that people get, I think that people get really, really caught up in perfection, in doing it all at once, in, um, and I didn't have any time to think about that. Um, now that I have it, people are impressed. People are yeah. um, people will say, "Well, how did you do that? I'd like to do it someday." And I feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. And even if you are not a good writer, there are all these services available for people who are to take your content and turn it into something wonderful. And the you know technology has brought us incredible amounts of resources and in my mind if you really want to do it there's no excuse anymore and that's awesome. it's it's so easy to I love, that. I was like but that. if i can do it if i can do it anyone can um that is from julie bucky the author of stop peeing on your shoes avoid the seven mistakes that screw up your job search Thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Great to chat Thanks with for you. having me. Okay. All right. See ya. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye.